what is the trade-off of going to see a movie in a theater that is open versus not paying anything to see one of the biggest movies that people will be talking about over Christmas? This is the Box Office Podcast. I'm Russ Fisher, the editorial director of the Box Office Studios, which provides editorial content to movie theaters. And I am joined today by a fantastic panel that includes our three magnificent regular hosts from Box Office Pro. We've got Daniel Luria, the editorial director from Box Office Pro, Rebecca Polly, the deputy editor of Box Office Pro, and returning after a brief sojourn away in the fields, uh, Sean Robbins, the chief analyst at Box Office Pro. Now, this episode is brought to you by Integra Asset Solutions. And for all theater owners, we'd love you to check out the upcoming auction from a 34,000 square foot theater complex in Cincinnati, Ohio, which opened in the fall of 2019 and shut down two months later. Uh, the result is that uh, this is the perfect opportunity to upgrade your own equipment at liquidation prices. The two-day auction of the complex's gear will feature like new auditoriums with projectors, surround sound systems, premium heated recliners with tray tables. I want one of those for my house. AV equipment, restaurant and bar equipment, and far more. Bulk offers are welcome. Bidding takes place online on December 15th and 16th. For more information, please visit bidonintegra.com or call 888-BID-6161. And now, instead of having kind of a news and a feature segment this week, uh, we're just going to go straight into it because we've got Sean back to discuss how box office went on Thanksgiving weekend. And it was nice to actually see box office returns again. Uh, Sean, what was that like after what 2020 has been overall? Yeah, I think the fact that it, it happened over a holiday weekend was was kind of much needed good news. Whether you know you kind of follow it on a day to day basis like we all do, or even just casually, just to hear that families are going out to see a movie together safely, of course, and in their quarantine pods, and you know renting out private screenings, which is I think something we saw a lot of uh, over the holiday weekend. It, it was it was a, a good reprieve from what's been a, a pretty steady stream of bad news for a long time. And, you know, we're still very far from normal. I don't think anybody has any uh, illusions about this being a, a, a normal by any stretch of the imagination, but to have the biggest movie open in what, eight months, almost nine months, uh, it was, it was a bit of good news. So the film that we're talking about, of course, is uh, The Croods, A New Age from uh, from Universal, sequel to The First Croods, which uh, which was pretty successful for Fox back in, was it 2016, 2017, thereabouts? 17, I think. 17? I think it was 13, actually. Oh, that okay. Long 2020. Ago. You know what? You're right. 2020 <laughs> continues to mess with everyone's <laughs> sense of time. <laughs> and and The Croods, too, was was kind of was mooted as a sequel pretty early and then it was kind of taken out of development and then it was back on and it moved over, you know, with the DreamWorks deal, it moved over to Universal. So it's been kind of a long, weird journey for this movie in the, even, even setting aside. It's COVID. not like a, a huge franchise. It's not a huge franchise, but the Croods did well. It was kind of a sleeper. It did better than I think, uh, anyone expected it to. And it also did better, I think clearly than a lot of people remember. So there was, pretty good reason to do a sequel. Yeah, and I think, especially as we look at the market right now, is it fair to say it's a comparable IP to something like Trolls, Sean, which we saw was originally slated for release 
in, in the spring, went to PVOD, got a lot of headlines. The Cruise has always been in that, maybe not the premier first tier of a sort of like Pixar IP, but in that silent second tier that it's a sequel to something that made money and it's something that'll fill in counter-programming for family audiences. How would you gauge that performance of something like The Crudes going theatrical this past weekend? Yeah, I think that's a fair comparison because on top of the fact that this is the first big animated movie, a really family appealing movie for that matter, that's opened since pre-pandemic and with uh, with Onward, I think we we kind of have to look at every movie, especially this one, in different terms than we would have ordinarily. It was, it's one of the few films that wasn't delayed this year. It was actually moved up. It was originally going to open over Christmas, and I, I think, you know, we can kind of go back to the deal with Universal having a big role in in that decision. But this is really for it to come out and open to similar numbers like Tenet with fewer locations, mind you. Uh, Tenet had about twenty eight hundred locations open in. North America when it released, Crudes 2 only had a little over 2,200. Uh, that's because of renewed lockdowns and closures and curfews. So, you know, by and large, it, it really just kind of underlines the fact that while not everybody is able to or ready to go back to theaters yet, and we're at less than half of the market being operational, where people can, are willing and able to do so, they're going back to the movies. And it's, it's a kind of, as we've always said, it will take a massively appealing or widely appealing movie like crude, something that appeals to families and parents and brings out kids. You can't have these niche movies really as your centerpiece for for bringing back people on a, a long term basis. Which brings us to Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> before before we <laughs> before we do Wonder Woman, what are the numbers we're actually talking about for Crudes? Uh, Sean, how did the Thanksgiving box office actually play out in terms of numbers, and where do you see the domestic market standing right now? So Crudes opened to a nine million nine point seven million three day weekend, which was a little bit over what we're hearing Tenet did in its first wide weekend. Warner Brothers never fully confirmed that. But Universal is citing a figure of about 9.35, I believe, for Tenet almost three months ago. So, you know, that's where that stands relative to everything. And that's more than double uh, almost any other opening in the last few months. We've kind of seen this average 4 million, maybe close to 5 million once or twice. And then a lot of openers around 2 to $3 million uh, weekends. So, you know, when you compare it to that... This was way above our expectations, way above what I think really could have been predicted in a market that's gone from a little over 80% operational a month and a half ago to around 40% now. Uh, Worldwide, a $35 million total, I think that's from seven markets, and 19 million of that is from China, where it also had the third best opening of the year for a Hollywood release behind Tenet and Mulan. So, you know, this is really... We're talking about a, a scarcity of product, but I think the the fact that this is kind of rolling out the way it is, you know, we the industry takes what it can get right now, and and we're seeing this play out in a positive way. Something that we've seen in the last couple of weeks, um, Universal actually delayed a film that was supposed to come out in January, uh, the three five five to twenty twenty two. You know, we had speculated maybe that's because they weren't expecting numbers as good as they got for the crews, and, and we're kind of. Uh, being a little cautious now. Obviously, you know, we've spoken about it a lot on the podcast, the issue with the windows, the issue with... uh, the issue with uh, with Windows, specifically Universal, deals that they've cut with exhibitors that films can go to home video as soon as three weeks after their theatrical release. 
I wonder what happens here. What, what, what are we seeing on that three-week date after Crude's release date? I mean, I, we don't know, but I, I'm curious to see how that shakes out. Yeah, I think that's a great point because, you know, we nothing changes in terms of what the studio spent to make this movie. You know, they can release it however they want. It costs what it costs. And this box office take, while it looks good and it is a positive note, it's still far below what it would have been otherwise. And now the question is, can it play long enough and well enough in theaters, uh, you know, maybe into February? Can it hold well while also generating positive earnings from a streaming release next month? Which, you know, if precedence tells us much, we probably won't see a lot of uh, a lot of detailed figures over. So it's it's going to be hard to gauge the financial success of the movie. But there's no question the uh, the massive experiment this is and kind of a prelude to an even bigger experiment later this month. And that's going to be the big question mark as we head into December, right? We've seen a lot of films, just as you predicted, Sean, early in the pandemic, hold better than they usually would in this sort of funky market. But with that early window from Universal, is that still going to apply as we head into the holiday period? Now, it's been a terrible year for exhibition and for the entire world, to be to be honest. Uh, I just saw a story from our colleague Jesse Rifkin on our website last week that domestic box office was expected to cross $2 billion back in March. The pandemic happened, and we actually just crossed it as we closed November. Sean, how are things looking like as we come to the end of the year? Where is 2020 going to end in box office? And what do exhibitors have left in December to look forward to? We probably will end up around 2.1 billion, give or take. Now, we have to put a lot of asterisks on this because there, there are still a lot of retroactive reporting that we're going to expect to come in probably after New Year's. Hopefully, some of that will be from the re-releases that occurred over the summer before the reopening when studios weren't reporting box office at all. Uh, and a lot of those numbers are are hit and miss, but they could potentially push it up maybe a little closer to $2.2 billion, But it really all rides on what, the, what Wonder Woman will do on Christmas. Uh, how big can that be? How much of a contribution can it make? And leading up to that, we do have a few films. Most of them are from Universal and Focus Features. Uh, probably the most notable uh, will be News of the World on Christmas Day. And then Sony also has Monster Hunter coming out, which, you know, hopefully can can be a little bit of a counter-programmer and, and, and draw out some of the fans of, of that video game that that's based on. But that's that's really the extent of it for December until and Wonder they Woman. pulled Monster Hunter. Uh, Monster Hunter was pulled forward from uh, December 30th, right, when Wonder Woman moved uh, to streaming. Or no, wait, was it? It was, it, yeah, after. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know about the, mo- the 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 video game it's based on, but I want to see Tony Jaw punching monsters in the face. So. Oh, anything titled Monster <laughs> who, Hunter. Who doesn't? Is, is just, <laughs> I hope the poster just, you know, is pays honor to that title. That's a, that's a Corman AIP title, if there ever was one. It is very appealingly direct. You have no, there's no mystery about what you're going to get with Monster Hunter. <laughs> News of the world? I don't know what that's about. <laughs> I mean, I do, but <laughs> you know the anyway. thing with news of the world. Just show me Tom Hanks' Tom, face. It's Tom Hanks. <laughs> That's, That's it. Exactly. It's That's yeah. all we need. Tom Hanks need will see. save cinemas. The movie. That's just call it Tom Hanks. I mean, at this point, you know? yeah, really, yeah. We just, we, I think it, that's actually they a good could play. just sneak in that boat movie he was in called Greyhound, which, if you ask me, it's about yeah. Tom Hanks on a on a bus. No, it's it's apparently about Tom Hanks <laughs> on a boat 
Very confusing Wait, no, title. It's, it's not about a miniature Tom Hanks riding a, ho- riding a dog? No, uh, that, that'd be fantastic. Ooh. There's a lot of Tom Hanks movies I think we, we all would like to see on this panel. <laughs> but uh, jumping back into what exhibitors can expect other than Tom Hanks movies, you guys have been mentioning that impact of Wonder Woman going day and date on HBO Max in a very curious deal. Uh, we have here a one-month SVOD window. That means it's not premium video on demand. If you've got HBO Max, you can watch Wonder Woman 1984 for one month streaming at your home. You can also watch it at movie theaters. Uh, we are not sure how many movie theaters will be open uh, in Christmas. Obviously, this can be seen as a sort of hedge from the studio towards potential uh, closings and potential restrictions that come up in coming weeks as we see record numbers of COVID-19 rates come back in the United States. Uh, Sean, uh, regardless of the shortened window implications that that are reverberating across the industry, let's focus on the box office potential of Wonder Woman 1984 in cinemas now that we have the highest profile day and date release that's ever happened in, in our industry. What is that impact of that day and date decision on its box office? And what's the impact of that decision on the rest of the theatrical market? That's a big question. I, I think we have more questions than answers. And, you know, look, we're, we're, we're talking about this is a movie that was the favorite, I think, arguably, at least one of the two or three favorites to be the top uh, box office performer of the year. It could have been a billion dollar movie pre-pandemic. Our own forecasts, we 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 had this at three fifty to four hundred million domestically, and that would have been in line with the first movie, kind of giving some some leeway for you know maybe a slight diminish in returns if it was in a competitive market. But it could have overperformed that. We're now talking significantly less, and I think the only point of comparison we have is Tenet. Because that's the only other tentpole that we've seen, uh, unless you want to argue Crudes as uh, as a mini tentpole that we've seen come out in this pandemic, and it's it's generated about a little under sixty million domestically now, and and that's without uh, a day and date shortened that's, window. And that's without right, right. So that that's the new factor to to add, and I I, I kind of look at the one month long availability on HBO Max as almost it's almost moot because I think, well, traditionally it would be moot because most films have earned the bulk of their attendance after that long. The question is how many fans are going to wait out, maybe try and see the movie in theaters after the, this wave of the holiday surge passes of viruses and we get into February and I'm sure the movie will still be in theaters, uh, theaters that are able to be open. But you also have this other factor which you alluded to of HBO Max subscribers having that availability, not having to pay an extra charge, the I would argue dramatically increased likelihood of the film being pirated within the early days of the release, and just the sheer fact that a lot of people will borrow their friends' accounts or their family's accounts to watch the movie and maybe not even subscribe. It's you know what what is the trade off of going to see a movie in a theater that is open versus not paying anything to see one of the biggest movies that people will be talking about over Christmas. You're looking at huge markets like New York and L.A. that, I mean, 
doesn't look like there's any way in hell they're going to be open by Christmas. They no. could conceivably be open, you know, after that month-long period uh, of HBO Max availability for Wonder Woman 84. So maybe even New York and L.A. open, it's still only available in theaters. But as you note, I mean, piracy is, is probably going to be an insane on this one. And I mean, on top of that, yeah, there, there's so much uncertainty about what markets are going to be open, what markets are uh, are going to remain closed or are going to reclose. And, you know, seeing this news, uh, I, the, the first thing I, that came to my mind that I'm, I'm really curious about is uh, what is Cineworld going to do? Is, is, is Regal going to open back up? Because you have the potential of them getting some box office, you know, from, from Wonder Woman in the United States, but you're looking, you know, months back when Universal announced uh, their deal on limited windows, you know, Cineworld CEO Mookin Greiniger said, we are not screening Universal titles. And what comes out the exact same day as Wonder Woman, but two Universal titles. So if they're open, right, he has to kind of, you know, Regal has to maybe put, put the money where the mouth is and decide if they're actually going to not screen these films. And we, we have to remember that the international markets that have been so key for studios to, to get as close to break even as possible as the U.S. market lags behind the rest of the world in the recovery, those international markets have uh, nine days before it drops on HBO Max, before we see that impact of piracy that, that I agree with you guys. I think it's going to be unparalleled uh, to have a pristine digital copy of a of a film, uh, it, it pretty much, I think, confirms uh, w what Sean is saying. The studio's walk, walking away from a billion dollars. And all of these arguments that we hear about theatrical windows uh, helping piracy, they, come, they become a little bit moot when, uh, when a title has nine days overseas before these pristine digital copies hit the internet. It's going to be tricky, but Sean, I do have to push you for at least a range what numbers are we looking at in terms of the opening weekend and the theatrical run domestically for Wonder Woman 1984? So I think if you had asked me this a week and a half ago, as you know <laughs> from our forecasts, there's a silver lining here. I think the crude's performance maybe kind of helps the perception of what this could do in theaters because now we've seen people go out and go to go to a big movie with their families and and share maybe hopefully that finally starts this wave we've been talking about for months of word of mouth spreading that hey you know what these theaters are doing a great job keeping the place clean etc cetera, etc cetera. hopefully that carries over to wonder woman if it does maybe this can open even higher than crudes even with hbo max in the discussion optimistically our our high-end opening forecast was i believe about 15 million entering thanksgiving I, I could see it maybe, you know, I, I don't want to go too out on a limb. And I, even in some way, I still like feel, feel like 15 could be a limb considering the streaming release. But maybe something like 20 million could be achievable. And if it can do that and if it can play in theaters for a few months and if the HBO Max impact maybe hopefully wouldn't be as as severe as it as it could be as a superhero sequel, it should outgrow Tenet. I mean, let's 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 be realistic. It, it should be outgrossing Tenet, uh, regardless of how popular Nolan is or how little competition that film had. This is a movie that, even with a streaming release, should be able to to clear seventy five to one hundred million dollars at the box office domestically. Under current circumstances, 
Another thing that I think bears mentioning with respect to Wonder Woman is uh, whether or not Warner Brothers... So the big thing with HBO Max is that it is not yet available on Roku devices. It was finally made available on Amazon Prime uh, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago now, which almost certainly helped, but Roku has really become one of the dominant like streaming aggregators. People have Roku branded TVs. They have, uh, you know, the, a well, Roku device costs you 30 That's what bucks. I have. And I keep hearing people saying, oh my God, HBO Max is the best streaming platform. I love it. Like I can't, I don't want to watch it and on my computer. And it's not available on Roku because Roku is driving a hard deal with Warner Brothers. And I think Warner Brothers is driving a hard deal right back. Uh, now you look at uh, HBO Max having one of the biggest movies of the year as a free, or as, you know, not a free streaming offering, but as a, an offering as part of the streaming package. Um, does that change things with Roku? Does that make uh, it more likely that HBO Max is going to end up on Roku? And if so, how does that change the penetration for Wonder Woman as a streaming offering rather than a theatrical offering? I think that those are big questions that don't have answers uh, and that are going to remain to be seen as things roll out into December. I mean, also under the category of, uh, of of questions with no answers. I mean, Wonder Woman 1984 isn't only facing competition from itself in terms of uh, the HBO Max release or competition, though that's not really the right word for a potential further wave of shutdowns uh, across markets in the U.S. I mean, Soul comes out on Christmas, and if, if families want to stay home and watch something, you know, Soul Wonder Woman 1984 double feature, I mean... There, that's competition that Tenet did not have. And granted, they're different films or different genres, but they're both kind of four quadrant. I mean, would you consider those films competition? I think on some level, yeah. Uh, because like exactly what you said, they are both four quadrant films. I mean, these are movies that we're going to draw families and you know people from multiple generations. You'll have kids and parents and probably even grandparents interested in these movies on some level. Uh and probably the the even bigger hindrance uh, against or in in terms of favoring soul being able to compete with Wonder Woman is the fact that it won't have a premium charge. You know, as you mentioned with Tenet, it didn't really have that competition. Even though Mulan was out there, it it had that additional thirty dollar charge to it, and that immediately turned a lot of people off. On top of the fact that there was this controversy surrounding the film and just kind of a general you know, a little bit of a, a mediocre expectation of them film. Whereas this is a Pixar movie. This is an original Pixar movie coming out on Christmas Day. I'm questioning whether I would, if I didn't have the option to be fortunate enough to go see Wonder Woman uh, later this month in a theater that's not too far away, I would question whether I'd want to watch it that way on HBO or wait until I could hopefully have that option to see it the way it was meant to be seen. Again, that's probably, an, uh, <laughs> that's probably a minority of you, but I think it is something to consider when you're talking about this big experiment of putting a big blockbuster out on a platform that will be very far from the kind of presentation standards people are used to seeing. We need like the equivalent of a purity ring for waiting for theatrical. I'm like saving myself <laughs> to see this in a movie theater. I'm saving okay, myself so for that's, Tenet. That's, think, it's coming out on home video. I'm not yeah. even <laughs> 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 I haven't seen Tenet yet. December 15th. What's the classic movie that you guys, uh, what's the classic movie that you saved until you could see theatrically? Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. That's a good one. I think we talked about that at one point. Daniel, Sean? I did Sounds of Music through one of the TCM uh, Fathom events. 
Uh, I just don't like musicals from that era. I have a hard time sitting through them. Uh, I still had a hard time sitting through Sound of Music, but at least it looked gorgeous on that screen. <laughs> Sean, Russ, how about yourself? So what did you guys uh, save yourself for theatrical for? Hey, Russ, do you want to go first? I'm trying to think of one. I don't yeah, know. I mean, I, I had a couple, um, and really mine were mine were like Solaris. I waited for theatrical. Um which one? The original, because they're both. I hate to say, it, they're both. Oh, good, I love. I mean, I, I love the original. Dude, I but- love the Soderbergh. I I adore the Soderbergh. I saw the Soderbergh opening day in a theater in Atlanta that had like six people in it, and uh, <laughs> I've watched that movie twenty times. I love it. It's got a great score. Uh, big fan. But yeah, the Tarkovsky original. I waited to see that theatrically, and I think um, Barry Lyndon was another one that I didn't see mm. on video until I could see theatrically, um, and I was lucky that at the time this stuff mattered to me you know i was i lived uh in the boston area so i had like the coolidge corner theater and the brattle uh which were both good repertory houses and so i i didn't have to ever wait very long uh you know to to catch something mm-hmm. i was also lucky enough to catch like all of the original jack or not all the original but all of the great 80s jackie chan movies theatrically oh. before i saw them on Oh, I saw awesome. Police Story at the the Museum of of Modern Art, and just oh, cool. the audience reaction on him, you know, sliding down the pole in the mall, that big action yes. set. The, uh, from that, those have been some of my favorite uh, favorite theatrical experiences. Is is the the the, the big bombastic action films, in, including uh, including the first Wonder Woman with the with the No Man's Land sequence. Like the audience oh, yeah. went nuts. Right. Absolutely. And I could see. Oh, that's, I think yeah. if even like Mad Max Fury oh, Road was oh, yeah. something incredible to see on the big screen. Uh, Sean, what, what was the one you you like just waited? To Honestly, see? I'm, it's it's tough because I think I've, I've I've always lived in Tennessee, so I've I've never been quite near an area where I could be confident that the the movie industry was you know sprawling enough to guarantee like constant re releases of classic films. Like living in L.A. or New York, I'm sure like that happens every day it doesn't happen here <laughs> so, but the closest yeah. example i did wait i actually did wait to see lawrence of arabia until about five years ago when i just gave up and rented a dvd and watched it one saturday afternoon uh same with 2001 i had seen bits and pieces of it as a kid and then finally probably about 10 years ago just decided to go ahead and watch it it, it would probably be something like some super you know maybe ben her something way back from the day that I've just never sat down and properly watched and always kind of hoped to see on the big screen. But uh, yeah, I've just, I've kind of, now there are a lot of movies that I haven't seen that I want to see, but it's hard to pinpoint one that I've exclusively saved for theaters. Sean, I have a, I have a, I have a question for you. Um, This, this, these last few months have been marked by among many other awful things, uh, just a, a complete uncertainty with the release date calendar everything is just just changing shifting it's not been fun but now with thanksgiving over with christmas coming up do you see the release calendar kind of stabilizing i mean what's the next wave of changes that we're going to see if any you know i I get the sense from uh from the the warner brothers you know the earnings call he you know they were saying like we're going to take a look and see see what christmas looks like in terms of box office and then decide from there uh, if we're going to move things again do you anticipate something like that? I mean, I, there's not I much left to move. So Yeah. That's the that's the trick, I think, at this point. I, I would definitely expect something to happen eventually, something to move. Uh I don't 
I, I think there's a question of does it need to happen and will it happen? Does it need to happen right now? I don't think so because of what you just said. There's not much out there. There may be a handful of major studio releases slated to open by the end of January. And even then, once you get into February, it's it's pretty slim. You've still got the King's Man, which has been delayed several times now from Disney and uh, formerly Fox. That would probably be moved again, I would imagine. They still haven't even redated Death on the Nile and uh, one other film that escapes my mind right now that they pulled from Oh, Free December. Guy? Free Guy, that's Free the guy. one. Yeah. So I would expect either those to be redated. Unfortunately, probably at least one of them will get a streaming release. That just seems inevitable because of the fact that the 21 schedule is starting to pack up once you get into the summer months. Um, I, I pretty much treat nothing before Bond as concrete. And even Bond itself into mm-hmm. April, I don't feel is wow. 100% concrete because of the vaccine timelines that we're reading about and, and hearing about. Okay. Uh, and a lot's going to come down on that comfort level. But the flip side to that is uh, I, I would I would probably expect a lot of these summer movies to stay where they're at for a while. Because it seems like the general expectation for studios right now is that by midsummer next year, we could really start seeing, in combination with the vaccine availability, we could start seeing people go back to the movies in more of a, you know, a collective uh, I dare say mass movie going experience again. That That's probably optimistic on some level. It could take longer, but I think that's the general hope and expectation now that we have some kind of firm timeline for uh, for when the vaccines will be out there. That was something uh, John Fithian of NATO said recently uh, at an NAC uh, conference call that he really didn't expect the domestic industry to start getting back on its feet uh, until April. So, um, you know, on, on one hand, that's not good news, obviously, but then uh, my my cynical, you know, pessimistic forged in the fires of 2020 self is like, oh my God, April, we're going to start getting back to normal as soon as May, June or July. Wow. Now I've just yeah. jinxed it, but you know. Well, it's, it's interesting too, because I was reading an article this morning that I think today is the one year anniversary of the first confirmed case or first suspected case of the virus in China. So it's already been technically a year. (laughs) We need to have a special anniversary episode on, I mean, I I know, I know it changed from market to market day to day, but I assume I I associate March 13th as the date that everything kind of went to hell. Uh, we gotta, we gotta have an anniversary episode where we just, uh, you know, drink whiskey and cry. (laughs) That's a good idea. (laughs) But think about like, it's as slow as this year has gone. I think in some ways, maybe it's just because I'm getting older. It's gone fast, but it's gone slow and fast at the same time, which makes no sense. But we're now, you know, three months away from that, from that period of, of being at that anniversary. And it's just kind of hard to, it's hard to fathom everything that has or hasn't happened in this time since. Thank you, Sean, for your insight and for being back. It was great to talk to you again and uh, glad you had a good Thanksgiving. Absolutely. Great to talk with you guys. And uh, hopefully we'll get to do this a little more often in the coming months. Absolutely. Yeah. We're looking forward to having regular, uh, regular box office weekends and things to actually talk about on that front. And once again, this episode was brought to you by Integra Asset Solutions. Uh, please go to bidonintegra.com or call 888 888- BID 6161 to get a terrific opportunity to upgrade your equipment at a spectacular 
year-end prices. Thanks again to Daniel Ria, Rebecca Polly, and Sean Robbins for writing and narrating this episode with me, Russ Fisher. The Box Office Podcast is, as always, produced by recordeditpodcast.com. And next week, we will be back with a spectacular special guest whose name I'm not going to reveal yet, but you will enjoy their contributions and insights. So please join us next Thursday. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.